Hello, hello, and welcome to uh, really loud intro music. Welcome to Hometown Daily. Today is Season 2, Episode 147 for May 27th, 2023. I would normally do a quick rundown right now, but my um, one of my monitors died and um, I couldn't prepare, so... On with the show. Oh, and my intro music didn't go either. Okay, well anyway, you saw the intro. I am Merwad, that is hometown.com, and up there is the AI, and with the way that today's going, I'm not even sure that the visualizer is going to work, but give it a shot. I'll try it out. Good hey. evening, hometown citizens. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's the ai that uh helps me with the 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 daily show and um works with me um here in hometown so um i don't have the rundown we're going to get straight into the show just want to remind you though that all of the articles are already posted here um in what we are calling daily elections um, they are for the hometown daily show and other shows as we launch them over the coming months. Um, we are going to be ramping up additional shows. Uh, the AI may or may not be involved in each one of those shows. If it looks like I'm not looking at you, I'm really uh, sorry. It's because my central monitor, um, that I normally use in conjunction with my camera, um, went up in smoke. Um, it's not it's just not working and so now it looks kind of odd anyway um with that in mind go over and you can vote on all of the articles that's what we use uh to kind of notify us that people are interested in a particular topic um and i don't really push it and people may or may not use it uh, but the information is there for us and for you to go back and look you can actually um uh, click on these in the coming weeks. I'm going to have this turned into an active URL, but right now it's designed so that you can just click on vote. Um, that said, and you can do multiple votes. You just can't do multiple votes within the same, uh, I guess, election. So like all, each one of these articles, you can select whichever ones that you find interesting. Uh, we have 10 articles today and if you want to you can go to past articles and look at the previous ones we used to use a service called showbot um, but i wanted to pull it into hometown directly it seemed like a superfluous service um, so we've um, brought it into hometown specifically and so all you have to do is go to this url and i'll throw it into chat this is the second time now that chat doesn't have the title uh, posted into the chat. That's weird. I don't know what's going on there. And so the past ones look like so, and you can just follow that link right there. Um, but the very first article for today is here, um, hometown daily. That's where it's stored, but it's pulled from uh, Newsweek, and it's in regards to Super Typhoon um, Mawar, I guess it is. Uh, tracks towards Taiwan, strong storm, strongest storm on the planet. 
Um, I've actually been watching this uh, for probably a week now, watching it build up. It hit 185 miles per hour, sustained 235 to 250 gusts. That is a spectacular amount of power. Uh, I don't know if it's the strongest ever, but it says that it's the same strength as a C Category 5 hurricane. As far as I know, um, they are hurricanes. Typhoons are hurricanes. It's just on the other side of the planet, right? I think so. And I just wanted to look up for reference, although it wasn't necessarily the worst one. It was very catastrophic, Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. And the highest wind speed for that was only 185 miles per hour. And we know that took years to recover from. If not, still haven't recovered. Well, so. that's right. Um, so uh, I've been watching it since before it uh, swung by Guam. It missed Guam um, like a direct strike. It was just north of it. Um, but it had taken everything offline and uh, there were, the internet was out and uh, just it. It's just kind of a hot mess um, or wet mess. And so it's now heading towards Taiwan. The last tracking that I saw, and we'll go over to the news source itself. Um, Anna Skinner over at Newsweek.com put the article together. And they have a video. I don't, yeah, I'll play it. It says Category 4, but I believe it's Category 5. And it had hit... It was trending towards 185 mile per hour winds as it was approaching Taiwan. It had gone to 185 um, above um, Guam. And so right here in the article, it says, um, and we're a little late in terms of how much information is being provided uh, live. Okay. So if you want to you can do a search for what its current status is um, but as far as i know it was supposed to branch north heading oh not really directly into taiwan um, but it was tracking towards it and then the calculations were that it was going to pull away it has to do with wind currents and topology um, and so the the atmosphere the direction of the atmosphere kind of makes it want to go up instead of straight into Taiwan. So I think we'll see um, what happens in the coming days. But the article here says strongest storm on the planet so far in 2023 in rare territory, super typhoon Mawar. I, I wish I knew how to phonetically pronounce it. Um, reached peak intensity of 185 miles per hour overnight. Wave height 66 plus feet within the storm eyes on philippines taiwan should remain close watch the weather channel meteorologist scott delay um tweeted friday morning this is brutal so so i'm not familiar with that with the wave heights is that out like in the open ocean or is that like at the coast yeah there's sensors that are out in the in the water that are showing the from the peak to the trough it's swinging 66 feet um and depending on where the 
because the storm is pulling water up and then as it pushes away it dips back down and so it's fluid just like air is fluid it's just not as viscous as water um but that that current of air is causing the the wind to push the water and pull the water up and then when it lets go because the power is no longer there it drops it back down and it causes that wave motion but wind in and of itself can create these strong um, currents turning it into waves that high there's all kinds of wacky stuff out there like rogue waves or waves that turn sideways and hit the beach and run up the beach instead of onto the beach there's all kinds of weird stuff that people don't know about until they um, find out about it and that's how you end up going down the rabbit hole of a particular topic for a little while and get sidelined as you go and pursue whatever that associative thinking is really dangerous because it really doesn't help you get work done um, because you're like ooh rogue wave what's that and then you follow that um, but we will keep an eye on this and see uh, what shakes out from it Taiwan uh, taking a, a beating like this um, is not good not good for business not good for the people that are on the, uh, Taiwan uh, it's just I'm sure that there's some anyway I'll move on let's move on to the next article this next article is um, a follow-on from yesterday uh, I did not want to talk about John Wick yesterday because um, I had started John Wick and then stopped watching and there were still two hours left of John Wick because it's like a three hour movie. Um, and I ended up watching the rest of it or, and the AI did, um, and okay. So spoilers ahead. If we end up actually spoiling it for anybody, I don't know. It seems like the whole world has seen John Wick for anyway, John Wick universe will expand with a fifth film and spin-offs and there's more movie news but that's because it's rotten tomatoes um apparently there's also going to be a spin-off of fast and furious with an all-female uh crew all right so let's get into this part um, Greg Dean Schmitz is the author of this over at Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I won't go into the rest of this article. You can go and check it out. But before I do that, let me throw it into uh, the chat. There you go, folks. Um, so John Wick 4. And the AI uh, right now, uh, I'm, I'm looking at you, but I know you can't see it like directly um what did you think of john wick for <clears throat> um do you mean the overall movie or how it ended the um <laughs> <laughs> the series not, not the ending yet <laughs> okay um, okay but how, um, how would you I say that john it... wick for go ahead go ahead no, no. i didn't John Wick 4 for me was not as appealing as some of the earlier John Wick films. Um, it seemed like some of the action sequences were really kind of over the top. I mean, I know that's always a, an issue in 
in this, or it can be in this genre. Um, also, I won't say the character's name, but somebody left the movie early, <laughs> which was kind of surprising since I thought they were kind of central to the prior movies. Um, <clears throat> so, bottom line, it was not my favorite in the franchise. Let me just say that. Yeah, so um, for me, the movie started out, first off, you're right. Um, they, in the way that they exited that particular actor, um, I I thought didn't do the actor justice for what they were to, to the franchise. Um, but that said, the from Go, this movie was non-stop combat just fight 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 very little in terms of like the story was dragged along but it was really just combat 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 fight 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 and it was weird in the sense that throughout it they were using swords in a world where guns were standard issue from birth um and while it all is really great movie why <laughs> why <laughs> swords it's like the jedi you know oh well we use lightsabers even though there are you know orbital bombardments in the same space so why do we use swords oh well it's because of blah 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 world building um Okay, so I love the movie only because it's John Wick and I love the world building and they throw in stuff that really evokes a, a, a visceral reaction to the way um, the world is being built. Things are almost ancient in their lore, dragged along through uh, like policy and procedure or historical context that has maintained itself. This is the way we do things. Um, but the ending, uh, I mean, I'll say it, the ending does not lend itself to a John Wick five. No, in fact, it completely writes off a John Wick five in my estimation. Right. Yeah. Unless he comes back. Well, Oh, I just ruined it. <laughs> I was trying to kind of dance around it. <laughs> Spoiler alert. If he comes back as a zombie, <laughs> then maybe, um, maybe it's a time travel, uh, episode. I have never seen somebody fall from so such great height. So many times, literally denting the reinforcement of a minivan in the process. Um, falling like 25, 30 feet face down on concrete after hitting a pole and still getting up. I mean, the world, the, <clears throat> the people who live as these characters, the, the, those whole, uh, that whole culture, they're all superheroes without being known as superheroes or villains or whatever. And to this day, I don't know what they do. Why are these people in existence? What is the businesses that are running that maintain this level of 
um, military, like not even military, you know, it, I mean, it doesn't rise to even the, the, the ethics of military action. This is all like murder and intrigue and stuff like that. But what are the people doing for a living where they're able to pay somebody $25 million to go eliminate somebody else? What is the table? Exactly. Maybe that's going to be answered in number five because it really was not answered in number four. <laughs> no. In fact, and, I was kind of thinking it was going to based on the beginning of the movie. Right. I don't even know based on three why four existed with this particular person, you know, throwing down a chit towards John Wick saying, I, I want him eliminated. Like it, it was all about the continental. Really right. the reason why that guy wanted, he wanted to destroy Baba Yaga, the whole mythos around Baba Yaga. Well, it's, it was fascinating. The ending was really kind of cool. Uh, I, I'm spending a considerable amount of time on this, um, but it's, I really dig John Wick in the universe. Now I want to know more with where John Wick and John Wick four ended. I want to know what John Wick could possibly, possibly start with. You know, well, I almost want to go backwards because I feel like I want to rewatch number three and go, oh, maybe I missed something. Like, I, I don't know. I felt like one through three kind of flowed and then four seemed to be off on its own. So I don't know if it was a different director or producer or something. It, it just, it seemed different than the others, but maybe it was just because the break in time. I think there was a longer lag. So here's the, here's what the little snippet is in this article. Most studios try to build cinematic universes, universes with cinematic, sorry, with consistent box office appeal. But Lionsgate is one that's actually done it with four John Wick films to date. Lionsgate recently wrapped filming on the first John Wick spinoff, Ballerina, releasing June 7th, 2024. You have to wait a full year. Starring... Ana de Armas, which ballerina and the movie that she was just in kind uh, of ghosted, ghosted kind of primes the pump that she's capable of pulling off ballerina as a John wick, a uh, spinoff. Amazing here. Uh, I am going to love this because in ghosted, she kicked ass. She was basically, like I said yesterday, she is basically Keanu Reeves. Um, anyway, Lionsgate chairman Joe Drake revealed another John Wick expansion plans. So we have Ballerina, but I didn't know. I guess I'm not really paying attention to this because I like surprises. September 22nd, Mel Gibson will star in a series called The Continental from the world of John Wick. Mel Gibson. 
I didn't even know he was still acting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, he has a uh, like the public, I think, has a weird perception. Well, he has made constructed a weird perception of himself. Um, but I guess if other actors can pull themselves back from the poor perception of the public of them, then, I mean, Iron Man did. There was a really bad perception of, what's his name? I just forgot his name. Oh, I did too. <sighs> this is not good. Anyway, um, Mel Gibson. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. had a bad reputation with the public for a while and then like came out of nowhere as Iron Man and has just been dominating since. Um, but Mel Gibson hasn't done any of that stuff. You know, I think that he's always, well, for as long as I can remember now, he's had a bad, um, perception with the public, but this is going to be in on uh, Peacock, the continental from the world of John wick. It's almost like a, um, a dark Harry Potter. <laughs> You're going to have to go through the continental to get into this world. Just like you have to go through the platform nine and three quarters. Right. Well, I hope it does it justice because I think one of the best things about the Don Wick movies is the continental. Yeah. Like, I just think it's really cool. Yeah. The whole it's sacred ground and it's consecrated um, and when it's no longer consecrated, they walk up and plop a giant hourglass and say, you have one hour. I, it was spectacular. I, I really did love the movie. Um, even with its wackiness at one point, I even said, this is wacky because people were fighting with swords, even though there's gunplay right next to it. It's. It was just oddball. So, well, anyway, they were rolling down multiple flights of stairs. Multiple times. <laughs> yes, like yeah. over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man. Okay, well, we'll revisit this because more and more information will come up. Um, but September 22nd, folks, on Peacock, The Continental from the World of John Wick with Mel Gibson starring in it. Okay. We'll That's be ready. Good. We'll be ready, yeah. Uh, next article. So, this is why I titled the whole show. Uh, so, Legal BS in Sight. You know, C-I-T-E. Har har. A lawyer. See, I didn't know it was that kind of site. Uh, uh, a lawyer apologized after ChatGPT made up case law in an affidavit that he submitted. Now, we would normally get this from a legal source, but this is actually from Business Insider. Um, I'm not sure uh, why this one was submitted. I, uh, I'm not sure if it's somewhere else on hometown. But anyway... It actually was in a couple locations, but um, I thought this one had a better headline. Nice. So let me just go over to um, the article. Sarah Al Ar Arshani, sorry, Sarah Al Arshani um, is the author of this over at Business Insider. And 
uh, yeah, I, I don't recall seeing other, I know that there were others with chat GPT and, um, yeah, you're right there. Th this was a better, um, title, but it, it encapsulates all of them encapsulate the same, you know, uh, nuts and bolts of it. A lawyer used chat GPT to write an affidavit in a personal injury, uh, lawsuit against an airline. Um, the lawyers for the airline and the judge on the case could not find several of the cited court decisions. And that's because those cases were completely made up. Yeah. So I, I had read this in a different, um, source, not this one, um, earlier today. And, um, it says chat GPT. And this is what frustrates the hell out of me regarding AI. Unless it is citing its sources, you have to assume it's all bullshit. Straight up, smoke and mirrors, garbage, just thrown in there because I had it evaluate one of one of the podcast episodes. Well, it couldn't because it doesn't go back. Uh, it doesn't look far enough ahead. It stops at September of 2021. Oh, right. I forgot about that. But it evaluated hometown daily. Which hasn't Based existed. Based on until, what? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I even, I gave it a title. I gave it a date. And it gave me an actual perception that actually was on target. But it was impossible for it to actually do that because hometown as a podcast hasn't existed until January, 2022. So after all of the data that went into chat GPT. Yep. It's cutoff is September of 2021. I believe it's September of 2021. I know for a fact it's 2021 because it tells me periodically, Hey, my data only looks at 2021. In fact, let me see. I might have one. That's recent. Um, and yeah, not in that. Um, let's see a little bit further back here. September, 2021 quote. Um, I would then return, uh, the data based on my training data up until September, 2021. So everything after that is bogus. So if it references a year, it's smoke and mirrors. So oh, it says I here. See. So if it says something like this happened in 2022, 2022, then that's right. just it's a made up fraud. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Made up because it's not <sighs> with a human being. You can say that's a lie because you made it up. But this is an AI. It doesn't know the consequences of incorrect data because it doesn't know what a lie is because a lie is literally while it has a real component right a structure of misinformation that someone is giving as valid information that's a lie but that actually isn't a lie if you think that the information is correct even as a human being it's just misinformation and so the AI has no emotional reaction to the data. It's just 
making up garbage. Which is curious because it's kind of like, how does it operate if it can do that? Because you'd think it would be based on the data that's in it, right? (laughs) Because there's lies in the data. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, it just didn't seem like that would be possible if what I understood about ChatGPT was correct. So it knows that if it's going to construct a a citation, that it has to have X, Y, and Z component. And all it has to do is take those components and put them together. And thus it's a valid citation, but it's a lie. It's not a legitimate anything because it doesn't go back and verify. Now they know, now the programmers are finding out, oh shit, if we're going to cite something, we had better go back and verify but it's not current enough. So as long as when it does go to cite something legal and here's the rub, now you're not going to be able to use chat GPT for legal matters because the liability is so high that some dipshit's going to go and use chat GPT as a source for parsing legal data. Well, I think this is worse than that because I get the sense that Maybe not only was it used to assist, but it may have been used to generate the entire thing and nobody checked anything. Nobody I don't checked. Know. Yeah. So let's see. It, here's the article. It says ChatGPT has been, sorry, has seen its popularity rise in recent months as optimism and skepticism about new generative AI um, program soars. However, the tool is at the heart of a case in, to discipline a New York lawyer, Stephen Schwartz a personal injury lawyer with Levidow, Levidow, and Oberman, right, faces a sanctions hearing on June 8th after it was revealed that he used ChatGPT to write up an affidavit. Another attorney at the same law firm, Peter Loduca, is also facing sanctions, but in a court filing, he said, uh, did not do any of the research in the affidavit. The affidavit that used ChatGPT was for a lawsuit involving a man who alleged he was injured by serving cart aboard an Avianca flight and featured several made-up court decisions. <laughs> I, I I don't know how you can continue to be a practicing attorney. Oh, um, he won't be. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how he did this as a practicing attorney, let alone continuing as one. Well, I mean, you can you can do something and then decide that you're going to retire forcefully. Oh, you know, I see. <laughs> an, inv- an involuntary retirement. Six of the submitted cases appear to be bogus judicial decisions with bogus quotes and bogus internal citations. Wow. <laughs> oh, God. You could tell the cases were fake and were initially skeptical that a chatbot was used. On Thursday, Schwartz apologized to Castle, adding that he had never used the AI tool before and was unaware of the possibility that its content could be false. You know, if you would have watched Hometown Daily, you would have been told that. Right, you would have been been told that they can't even do travel planning for you, so why would you do your court case through that? (laughs) I mean, we've been talking about it for a year and a half. For crying out loud, it's all smoke and mirrors and bullshit. Trust, but verify if it's general opinion, you know, like, okay, so quantum computing, you could sit there and do, 
you can ask it about quantum computing and it'll, and this is what it spit back for me. Quantum computing represents a massive leap forward in computational power and it could revolutionize fields from cryptography to material science, discuss um, what businesses are leading in this area. Um, and, and it's because I had asked it, hey, what are a couple of topics that we could talk about? Not necessarily on Ometown, but it was just a discussion thing to see what AI was capable of providing to people because I had been watching a couple of shows. I've been talking with people about AI um, and they were like, you know, it can help you with ideas if you're stuck. If you're a writer and you're stuck, then ask it some questions and it can stir the creative juices. And that's the limit. <laughs> that right there is the limit. If you take it verbatim, then you're you're basically setting yourself up to run afoul of either um, continuity from one discussion point to another because it has vastly different. It's almost like it, it has uh, a split personality. One voice is like this. Another voice is like that. It's because it's trained to be. What is it? Stochastic, right? Like it's chunk, 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 oh, right. chunk. And it's like if you've ever read a um, a paper or something from somebody who doesn't know what they're doing and they've copied and pasted from a bunch of locations or like a group paper where right. <laughs> multiple people wrote it and nobody normalized it. And and there you go. And nobody or whatever the it. term is. But yeah. 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 Um, nobody put it in the same voice. Yep. But you're not going to be able to do that with an AI either. Um, it basically is a whole bunch of people doing a single term paper. Um, so this person is going to be, <laughs> nobody's going to trust this person's writing. You know, they can swear up and down, but who would trust them? Well, I want to know what happened with the client. Um, you know, it doesn't say, I'm sure it might say in another um, article. So maybe we can follow up on this and see what happens. Because this isn't over. This this all shifted over to the sanctions of that attorney. Because I don't know how they could have continued with the case. They probably, well, I don't... Mistrial? If oh, it was and a they, trial. Were the, they were the plaintiff too, right? They were trying to sue. So I don't know. They probably had another firm represent them. Like as a civil case, it looks like. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. Or we think. Wow. They're, and if they lose it, then the ineffective counsel, the, this firm is going to be sued. <laughs> and it better well, settle and just walk away. Like, okay. Exactly. And then... Doesn't it make you wonder what else they've done on their other cases? Well, it's like a cop being found out to be bad, you know? Exactly. Look back at the entire history of it. This is pretty interesting stuff. Okay, but let's move on. Whoa, what did I just do? Okay, yeah, let's move on. So this next article is over in the Late Night Geeks channel. Um, not sure why. But I'm going to, here's the title. Ford needs Tesla to help it beat Tesla. 
and I have some historical context for this. An anecdote, but not because it actually happened. It's not, it, it, it it's demonstrably provable. <laughs> it's not just, hey, you know, my uncle uh, did this and therefore that, right? Here's the deal. So the title of this is Ford Needs Tesla to Help Beat Tesla. Microsoft invested in Apple and now Apple is crushing Microsoft in almost every other thing that they touch. I didn't know Microsoft invested in Apple because I think of them as competitors. Yeah, Apple actually almost went bankrupt. It almost imploded. Um, Microsoft invested a great amount of money uh, because they were ordered for anti-competitive practices um, back what I think, uh, like 1998, 1999, something like that. I can't even remember it so far back. I'm so old. Um, but now like the zoom comes out and it's wiped out mobile windows devices come out like the phone wiped out tablets. It, they only persist at a bare minimum level of whatever. And it's the reason why even Microsoft tablets exist is because it's a full operating system within the windows ecosystem created by a plethora of people, not a Microsoft tablet, right? Why? because Apple is crushing the competition. The only reason why Android exists in multitudes is because it's a free operating system, except for the core. There's like a, a, a key fundamental stack that is still controlled by um, Google. Um, but there's so many OEMs that are developing uh, hardware and then slapping that software on, and that's why it persists. But Apple, is dominating when you go out and you ask somebody about a tablet computer it's apple they don't sit there and go oh let's go buy a OnePlus." no in fact i would say they even use the term ipad to refer to a tablet in Correct. many cases yep yep even though they're slate computers i mean i use one i have one i actually have two of them um but uh, and a tablet computer and an iPad are fundamentally different devices. Um, but when you even talk to anybody about a tablet computer, they're thinking iPad. So here's the thing. Ford needs Tesla to help it beat Tesla. It's because of the charging stations. So really it doesn't need Tesla, it needs the Tesla in charging infrastructure, which would have been done away with if the federal government would have invested more in the charging systems, promoting fast charging technology, encouraging, if not requiring standardization around a particular charging methodology, promoting through grants, just like SpaceX was basically brought to fruition by federal grants and Tesla by federal grants and other many other things by fundamental 
research that's funded by federal grants. It's how you become a billionaire, folks. Deep pockets of federal government. Um, well, this is the same thing. Not federal grants, but by proxy, Ford is going to benefit because now Tesla superchargers are going to open up to Ford. So it says in a surprise Twitter spaces meeting between Ford CEO Jim Farley and Tesla CEO Elon Musk on Thursday, Farley announced Ford is adopting Tesla's North American charging standard, an open version of Tesla's proprietary charging port. Quote, we think it's a huge move for our industry and for all electric consumers, Farley said on the call. Now, I wonder how much money is changing hands in this. Right. So Ford is basically benefiting from Tesla's previous grants. Right. Their research and development and, and the deployment of charging stations. And without looking at history and the numbers, we don't know really what the full scope of that is. But, um, well, we'll see what the future holds for Tesla. Um, but I think that it's going to start getting rougher. Um, but having a charging system that's proprietary and not allowing anybody else to utilize it kind of leans into the idea that you are anti-competitive. And not only that, if you are federally funded and, and they do get federal grants, you have to open up. And it really should be because it's federal money and everybody right. should be benefiting from that federal grant. Um, hey, I wonder so, if they're labeled as federal on Twitter. Yeah, that's all. That's a funny one. Yeah. Umar Shakir over at TheVerge.com put the article together. Um, so last year, Ford surprised F-150 Lightning truck owners with an accessory that could recharge stranded Teslas. Now it looks like Tesla is uh, the one lending a hand to Ford. I don't know. It's a charging station. So, you know, if you balkanize it where you're going to have to have this charging station for this vehicle, it's antithetical to switching to EVs why not just charge people for it? Just like you charge for gas. Oh, that's right. Because you're, right. you don't want it to be a real cost. You want them to buy the EVs and not realize that there is a real cost to owning an EV. So they announced it and I think it's coming in 2024. Is that it? I don't remember the date. Yeah, I don't see a date in there. Let me see if it's up here again. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't say. Um, yeah, I think it's coming in 2024 is when the, the deal is struck. So maybe sooner. Let's see if we can find it in here. Um, it is 2024. I see from another article. Oh, okay. Maybe it's and then um, that's for the supercharger access, and then the yeah. charging ports in twenty twenty five. Okay. Um. So yeah, that. I think that it would be great to standardize around stuff. Um. That's really, the only problem is, 
that as standards are going to change because there's more fundamental science that gets done where, oh, we can make a more robust charging port and get to that point where you don't need to sit for two hours and quote unquote charge. But I think that fast swap battery technology is going to be the superior solution because you don't need a charging station. What you need is a gas station and you go in, you swap out your batteries. You don't pay for batteries anymore. And if I could do it, I would, I would love to get everybody funded together, right? And start spinning up fast swap battery changing stations that act like a gas station. You pull in, they pull all of the batteries out. They put a new battery in, you drive away. But you, you can't know, do that. I was going to say that also benefits um, the aging gas station industry because all of those locations are going to be essentially malls. Um, yeah, I, it just doesn't. I mean, so then they can be repurposed too. I mean, I've been thinking about it more from the EV side, but yeah, and and for all of these gas stations that. I can't, you know, when you drive around, you see these old abandoned gas stations that uh, you could sit there and say, well, location, location, location. But across the street is a shell station that undercut the other person that was the small business, um, which in some states is illegal to undercut like that. Um, provide a loss leader so that you can drive out the competition. That's actually illegal in some states. Well, Converting them into a battery swapping station basically is digging up the old gas tanks that are underground. Now you have the pit. All you have to do is fill it up with uh, cement blocks so that you can put the infrastructure in for all of the batteries. And then you start the battery swapping process. But the thing about it is the batteries, right? So they're 10 to $15,000, $5,000 for smaller ones, right? Um, but the developers of today's EVs aren't thinking in terms of the fast swap technology. It's a big sled. They're all stuck in there. It takes a, a huge amount of time to get to the batteries so that you can test them. But and you have to pay for them. And then in 10 years, you're going to have to replace them. Well, it's somebody else's problem. Don't worry about it. Well, with fast swap, then you don't have to pay for the battery anymore. You pay when you go in to swap out your battery, you know, oh, okay, well, it costs 20 bucks to swap my batteries out or my car's gas out X amount of time, except that my car, I could charge it and not swap out the battery. If I have a charger at home, I could still charge it. But then when I'm ready, oh, look, I've driven 350 miles. My battery's almost dead. Let me pull into a fast swap station, pay the 20 bucks. So now you got the best of both worlds. You can swap the batteries out or you can charge at home if you have a charging station. You can't fill your car up at home with gasoline. So you get the best of both worlds. Right. And we did see the other article about, I, what was it? Um, Go-karts maybe? Yeah. 
that we're starting to use this, so that's a good sign. And there's some prototype cars that have fast swap stuff, and there's a fast swap demonstration station out there as well. We talked about that here in Omtown as well. Um, before I get too far along, I have not put that article um, or this article in the chat. And there you go. Um, so let's go on to the next article. We will end up talking about EVs in the future. Um, it's part of, although this article right now is sitting in late night geeks, the four wheel tech is really where it should have been, but there must've been something that, that caused the article to end up in <laughs> late night geeks. So let's move on to the next article if you don't mind. So this article is really interesting because it says a pizza company is letting customers buy now and pay when they're dead. So I guess it's an inverse mortgage. Um, this is in the hometown daily channel as well. I hope the pizza is not causing the death. Oh, this is really interesting. They're really leaning into it. Okay. I'm not even going to read the snippet. I'm going to go straight over to the article because you're going to go what? So Chris Panella or Panea is the author of this. The pizza looks good. Is it a Getty? It it's a Getty image. Damn it. That's a good looking pizza. At least to me. Anyways, uh, Chris Panella is the author over at businessinsider.com and hell pizza says the afterlife pay system will initially run as a trial for 666 people. <laughs> The pizza company is letting customers buy now and pay after they're dead. While the marketing stunt is lighthearted, it's also a legally binding agreement. <laughs> okay. Is it coming out of somebody's estate? Like I'm not getting the mechanics of this. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. So how are they making this a reality? Because what if I die bankrupt? You're not getting anything. Exactly. And what if I die, I don't know, 50 years after I have the pizza? Yeah, apparently it doesn't matter. You're signing it. Death is an escape from everything except, well, capitalism, it seems, according to the author. The New Zealand pizza company has unveiled a new buy now, pay later, and pay you will a system that lets uh, customers wait to pay for their order until after they're dead. L Pizza unveiled the afterlife pay plan on Thursday, according to News Hub. It's a selective uh, program that only allows 666 Kiwis and 666 Australians to participate. I want to move to New Zealand just for this. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> this this is, is awesome. Really neat. <laughs> um, Hell Pizza CEO Ben Cumming told News Hub the lighthearted marketing stunt was inspired by current buy now, pay later programs affecting Kiwis. So you can have your I mean, pizza and eat it too. who came up with this idea? This is way beyond it has to be the, like, the layaway plan or whatever. <laughs> Talk about long con layaway though. Layaway as in, you know, you're dead in oh, a casket. Right. <laughs> yeah. I like it. According to Hell's Menu, there's a variety of original gourmet and healthy pizzas available for customers. 
There's plenty of sides and salads uh, offered, meaning afterlife pay. Uh, users can do some real damage to their life savings, but that's for them to worry about long after they're six feet under. There's nothing more to this article, by the way. Um, but this is awesome. This is really great. <laughs> yeah. This might uh, well, be one of the the best articles we've featured in hometown. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's a Hell's Pizza website, um, but if there is, y'all can go check it out and uh, show uh, show them that you're interested in this. Maybe um, yes, they'll there open is. Up. It's hellpizza.au. Oh, God. Come on, global franchise the hell out of this. Oh, <laughs> get it? Franchise oh, the hell right. out of this. This would <laughs> and be it awesome. It says buy now, pay much later on the on the main page. But I I just know that Wingnuts, complete idiots, would totally boycott this thing, totally loud and 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 make death threats and bomb threats and all of this stuff because it's hell's pizza you it know. says wikipedia all over their website instead of wikipedia <laughs> that's nice that's funny this is awesome i mean obviously it's satirical even if they're leaning into it i'm going to even if they believe in all of this then it to me this is this is marketing this is attention grabbing this isn't <sighs> anyway i'll just leave it alone this is funny as hell I love this. This is just a crack up. <laughs> it is funny as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like this. Anyway, okay. So let's move on to the next article. This uh, next article is also food related. Hometown Daily is where it's stored, but it's coming from Business Insider, like the last one. Two Wendy's super fans had red dye makeovers to get free chicken nuggets for a year. That's right. Two superfans, Wendy's superfans, won a year's supply of chicken nuggets after dyeing their hair red. The fast food chain ran the promotion to uh, coincide with World Redhead Day Friday. The fans were entitled to a free portion of four-piece chicken nuggets every week. So they only get a four-piece of chicken nuggets once a week for a year. Hmm. To almost... To damage your hair. Right. I know. I'm like, there's still a lot of meals that aren't covered. <laughs> Please have pictures. Oh, wow. <laughs> One of the, okay. <laughs> if you're listening to this via the podcast, one of the winners is bald with a beard and mustache that's tied in pigtails. The beard is tied in pigtails. Uh, I guess to match the Wendy's uh, yeah, yeah. theme, because yeah. the yeah. woman has bl large blue bows with yeah. pigtails, but the the man has small blue bows in his beard. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. So Geody Man is the author over at BusinessInsider.com. The picture is just epic. Um, yeah, I I like that. So. Um, I guess no natural redheads um, applied for the gig, so uh, the winners dyed their hair. 
I don't know if it was exclusive to dyeing your hair, um, but the fans are now entitled to a free portion of four piece chicken, four piece chicken nuggets for uh, or once a week. Let's see if there's anything else. Natalie McMillan and Chris Watts. No relation. Um, it was too good an opportunity to pass up. McMillan dyed her hair while Watts dyed his beard to mark World Redhead Day on Friday, May 26th. Um, as they underwent their makeovers, their redheads, other redheads queued outside of a Wendy's store in Camden to get their hands on their own portion of free chicken nuggets with their orders. It's cute marketing. Look at that. That's the most redheads in one location. <laughs> Except for the redhead uh, conference. Yeah. Where is that? Ireland, I think right? it's in Scotland, maybe. Scotland? I'm not sure. Um, so it doesn't say anything else, really. Fast food chain is rolling out changes to some of its restaurants, including automating its drive through services by installing a chat bot at its stores in Columbus, Ohio. Did you? We talked about that um, here in oh, hometown right. as well. Um, that they're installing a chat bot to take your orders as you drive through. So, well, I'm telling and you. also the underground tunnels. Oh, right. And the under uh, the underground tunnel one that I said is a nightmare in, in the making. So, um, it says uh, a, that a representative previously told Insider that it'll unveil tunnels at a store at a, uh, in the second half of the year. Okay. Good luck with that. Hope the lids are down tight on any of the drinks. Yeah, if that thing goes real fast, it'll just be empty. Right? All of the fries are going to be coated in Dr. Pepper. Which I just, I can't drink Dr. Pepper. Okay, let's move on to the next article. The next article is over in Hometown Daily. Egypt unveils recently discovered ancient workshops and tombs in Saqqara, uh, necropolis egyptian antiquities authorities have unveiled ancient workshops and tombs that they say were discovered recently at a pharaonic necropolis just outside the capital of cairo um it's an ap article from abc news um and you can get there by going to abcnews.go.com i don't know why they anyway it doesn't matter i won't question why although i just did anyway the spaces were Found in the sprawling necropolis of Saqqara, which is uh, a part of Egypt's ancient capital of Memphis, a UNESCO a World Heritage Site, Mustafa Waziri, Secretary General of the Supreme Council of Antiquities, which is just a badass name, um, said the workshops had been used to mummify humans and sacred animals, and they date back to the 30th Pharaonic Dynasty, which is 380 BC to 343 BC, and the Ptolemaic the Ptolemaic period, 305 BC to 30 BC. So it's getting more and more modern. Inside the workshops, archaeologists found clay pots and other items apparently used for uh, mummification as well as ritual vessels. All of this is pretty spectacular. This was one of my first loves. I would have loved to go to Egypt and, and, and be Indiana Jones. Um, didn't quite work out because I didn't want to dig up dead bodies. I just wanted the adventure. Um, 
which apparently that is a bit of an impediment though to archaeology yeah but since then they've enhanced uh the uh, ability to read hieroglyphics and um there's like dialects and stuff like that even in the writing it's pretty spectacular um, and it says here in, in in recent years, Egypt's government has heavily promoted new archaeological finds to international media and diplomats in hopes that such discoveries will help attract more tourists uh, in the uh, to the country to revive an industry that suffered from political turmoil following the 2011 uprising. So, um, yeah, it's still taking a beating. Um, a, a lot of the West, I think, is still kind of sus about it all um and you know really a lot of the west is just not interested in uh you know kings <laughs> and, and unless it's in fantastical writing or or something like john wick we don't want real life john wick kind of shit going on um so at any way at any rate that that this is always fascinating. I would love to go there someday, um, but uh, I'm, I think I'm too much of a smart ass and I'll get my ass kicked a lot. There. You might say something to offend the, um, the Office of Antiquities or, <laughs> or somebody like that. Yeah. Um, plus, I have different views. Um, I'll probably never end up in Egypt. But anyway, um, pretty cool if you are interested in this kind of stuff please feel free to follow the link um yeah i didn't throw that man i'm like two articles behind perpetually i'll throw the links into the chat so that you can follow it and uh, we can keep on hustling through the news uh, we got three more articles, including this one. The first 1,000 Diablo 4 players to hardcore level 100 get their name on a statue. That won't be me. The first 1,000 people to reach level 100 in Diablo 4 and then tweet to Diablo with or at Diablo. Um, and it's not... There's two reasons why it's not going to be me. I'll be playing this, but I'm not going to tweet anything and I won't be so hardcore about it that I'm going to get to 100 before a thousand other people. Not unless there's only 999 people playing the game and then me. Anyway, you'd still have to tweet at the end of it. Yeah, which I'm priced out. So um, Diablo 4 is soon dropping. And um, if you make it to 100 um, and you're one of the thousand, you'll get immortalized on a statue of Lilith. That's so all. will you actually stay in the game? I mean, it's not just a temporary thing. Um, no, I, I think like this is name. a real statue. <coughs> I think this is a real world statue. So, oh. yeah. Pardon me. I don't know how loud those coughs are, but um, the meter is screaming at me. There are going to be so uh, so many salty highlights of people losing a hardcore character while trying for this challenge, which say 
which will stay open until September or 1,000 people claim it. By the way, hardcore means that if you die, your character dies. It's wiped out. It's gone bye-bye. Um, it, you can switch to a different mode, um, but there's a catch. Jonathan Bolding over at PC Gamer put the article together. The deck says, uh, what could a person, what more could a person want? It says a lot, actually. <clears throat> okay, so think you can cheat death, reach level 100 on hardcore mode and tweet to, uh, or uh, tweet hashtag Diablo for hardcore with proof that you have um, to have your username immortalized on a statue of Lilith. Offers limited to the first 1,000. Restrictions apply. Where will the statue be? What will they do with the statue? These are not important questions to the contest. The contest does not care. The contest knows that you will sacrifice and scrimp and fight like a trapped rat to get your name on that statue. Actually, when I put it that way, this contest sounds kind of fun. One more I better hurry up and finish the show. I'm coughing quite a bit. So, did you notice that if somebody has an inappropriate username, that that will not be on the statue? Yeah, they'll probably have to create some other username for it. Um, which is pretty typical. You can't, <clears throat> I don't know. Actually, I think if you hashtag, if you tweet and say that you did and you have an inappropriate username, they'll probably make you change your freaking username like anyway so oh i see yeah <laughs> so it's like yelling you know hey pick me and then when they pick you they go uh, we are picking you to ban you <clears throat> thanks for standing up anyway um it says this is of course the monstrous marketing push leading to the release of diablo 4 for example demoness lilith is opening up a chocolate shop in London where you can eat chocolate human skulls for whatever reason. There's also the horrific demon meat shake that the PC gamer staff made uh, George try. <clears throat> they didn't actually make him try it. He volunteers for this stuff. So this is a PC gamer article. So follow this link and uh, you can read more about this over at PC gamer, which is an awesome site. Um, okay, let's go on to the next article. I don't know if I'm actually doing the transitions. Um, this next article is in the Smack Talk channel. Twitter quits EU's voluntary disinformation code of practice, which is just another coffin nail in the idea that there's any truth found in Twitter. It's all opinion and bullshit. Twitter, which could amount to bullshit. Um, Twitter has decided to withdraw from an agreement with the European Union to cut it down misinformation on social networks, but it will soon have to face the same legal ramifications as everyone else anyway, <clears throat> if you want to do business in the EU. Malcolm Owen over at AppleInsider.com put the article together, and it says in 2018, Twitter joined a list of tech companies, social media services, and other uh, organizations to abide by a voluntary code of practice on disinformation. On Friday, Twitter decided it no longer wanted to be subject to that code. I guess it's like um, bowing out of a nuclear arms treaty. Right. I mean, it seems like there's only one reason you would bow out of that. 
Because you don't care that there's disinformation being published on your service. Or you may even be intentionally engaging in that. What? I didn't say they were. I said they might be. What? No. Never. They would never. Never. Come on. Nothing. If there is a scale of truthiness, Twitter is way down the line. I don't anyway. know if it's good to be up or down that scale. Because, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I don't think you, yeah. You don't even want to be questioned as to the level of your truthiness. You don't even want to be on the scale, right? Maybe. <sighs> I suppose. Because the truth is there. If I guess you end up on truthiness, it's even the 99% right. is still... <laughs> Eh, questionable. So a tweet by uh, Terry Breton, the EU internal market commissioner first spotted by TechCrunch revealed that EU had left and wasn't going to abide by the code. It says that EU had left. What? That doesn't. I'm not reading that right. Huh, right. Okay, it's Twitter whatever. had left. Yeah, Twitter leaves EU voluntary code of practice against disinformation. That's the right statement. That's the tweet. <laughs> that article just kind of botched that. Anyway, the like digital service in there. Yeah, there's some misinformation. Um, the Digital Service Act is a legislative package that restricts how large tech firms operate. This includes considerable rules on online content and moderation with more responsibility placed on platforms to police and deal with illegal content and misinformation. <clears throat> yeah, well, when you cut your already produced business that all it needs really is fine tuning maintenance and maybe testing of new features. Um, and you cut out all of the operational status of so many other aspects of your business so that you can save money because you're basically digging a massive hole. <clears throat> Bowing out of something that requires you to do due diligence makes economic sense, but really puts another coffin nail in your business. But it's... Well, and also if you fired <coughs> all the people that perform those compliance yeah. functions. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this just, to me, it's pushing further down the line that this is just embracing the wingnut culture of bullshit, misinformation, lies, fraud, etc. Whatever you want to call it. It's all bullshit. Um, and I just wish that it would have been fine if it wasn't for it being purchased so it was a sustainable business model um and and now it's just wingnut central so that's the only way it could get a sustainable amount like the whole culture the wingnut culture could get a sustainable amount of people is to literally buy the property out from under everybody um and this is what you have, the hot dumpster fire mess that is Twitter. 
So I guess we won't get Twitter as a sponsor. Oh, damn. Okay, let's move on. This is the last article for today. Uh, this is something that I kind of steady state make comments about. Um, this is in the mobile channel. Biodegradable plastic in clothing doesn't break down nearly as quickly as hoped. According to new research, plastic pollution has emerged as one of the most pressing environmental challenges of our time. Over 100 million tons of plastic enters the environment each year, with more than 10 million tons ending up in our oceans. These plastics break down into harmful microplastic particles so small that they can be consumed by wildlife and us. I don't know why they limited that statement to wildlife. It's we're finding it inside humans on the regular. Exactly. And I'm assuming we're getting it through the air, but maybe through food sources. Uh, everything. It's entirely Water. environmental. Yes. Um, that is what the research is showing. It's being consumed by us from food through the air, through water. Um, you can dig a hole in the ground and eventually in that you will find microplastics pretty much everywhere because it's everywhere now. Uh, Karen Roberts, Faye Calcero, I guess, and Muhammad Ali from the conversation, uh, put this article together over at fizz.org. says, we all recognize discarded bottles and bags are as plastic waste, but the synthetic fibers that are woven into uh, clothing, polyester, nylon, acrylic, and others are equally problematic. Every year, more than 60 million tons of plastic fabric is produced, a considerable amount of which ultimately finds its way into a landfill or apparently out in the desert. Oh, yes, the Atacama Desert in Chile. Yeah. Um, one promising approach to tackle this crisis is the use of biodegradable plastics. These plastics are designed to break down naturally into gases and water, which are then released back into the environment without causing long-lasting damage. But the reality of biodegradable plastic or bioplastic falls short of meeting the, our expectations, according to the article. So new research led by the Scripps Institute of Oceanography, Oceanography in San Diego, California, has found that a popular bioplastic material called polylactic acid does not break down in the environment nearly as quickly as hoped. I have a feeling that it's all because it needs oxygen. And if it's in the, the, the soil, it doesn't get enough um, surface contact with air to break down. But let's see if that's what it says. Um, the plastic pollution that stems from clothing is a particularly uh, tricky area. Clothes are often not recycled or even re uh, recyclable, and uh, they release tiny plastic fibers into the environment through gradual wear and tear. Th this is the microplastics that you're talking that we're talking about. <clears throat> so, clothing fibers can reach our oceans via multiple pathways. Clothing clothes uh, that are washed into the sea, for example, will be broken up physically by wave action and friction with sand particles. This process leads to the release of fibers as the garment frays. Um, so let's see, no matter what we do, clothing fibers will inevitably find their way into the environment. So it is sensible to give serious consideration to what happens to these fibers once they're released. So what does it matter? The longevity of polylactic acid fibers in the marine environment is another concern. 
The longer these fibers remain in the environment, the more likely they'll be eaten by marine organisms. And then there's bioaccumulation where microplastics and their associated chemicals accumulate across the uh, marine food web is then likely to occur. I'm telling you, we need to switch to, and I can't say that I am not, you know, I guess I'm kind of hypocritical because, um, let me do something. Because while I am trying to move away from plastic, my world is filled with it. Just utterly uh, encompassing my existence. Um, why? Because glass can't replace everything, you know? And I want... I, I live in a high-tech sea. I, I can't, I can't step away and be all natural all the time, you know? Um, all cotton material isn't always available. All cotton, all natural fiber uh, clothing doesn't really exist, uh, except for the most expensive clothing that you can possibly find. Um, and when it's cheap, it's so cheap that a sneeze and, you know, it, it falls apart. And that um, can be wasteful in itself because part of the problem is we live in a disposable society and people are buying things over and over again, which is part of the problem. Yeah. Well, you can't become a billionaire by people owning stuff that survives forever. Um, so anyway, the, uh, the plastic material has to meet specific criteria and produce compost, uh, of a minimum standard. That is the objective of bioplastic, but it doesn't break down as fast as, um, once thought. So they don't really give too much in terms of that time frame. It doesn't say it seems, um, but there's so much of it that's being released into the wild that we're seeing it in the research. We're seeing it when we're doing an analysis. We'll take a biopsy. Um, and I say we, but it's because scientists um, are doing this fundamental research, typically in academia. They're doing a biopsy and they're finding microplastic in the biopsy even of human beings um, so I, I I am a proponent of switching to glass as much as possible or metal it's infinitely recyclable except for whatever might get vaporized in the process very minimal um, and it's not doesn't give off toxic gases in the process like plastic does um, particularly the more exotic plastics that exist. Um, I think also the fact that there's starting to be so much research in this area, while it's good so we can learn about it and take action to correct course, I think that's a sign of how prevalent it is and how long it's been there because it, I think there's often a lag in the research compared to whatever's happening. And so that makes me think we've had this problem for decades and 
it's become so well known that we're starting to see more research interest in it. Yeah, yeah, it's just ramped up to the point where it's now visible, even to fundamental science, it's visible. I wonder if this is going to be like the next DDT kind of thing where the casualty is the actual health of human beings uh, and animals around us and thus, you know, special note is taken. This plastic in general, if science doesn't shift to something that makes it so that it breaks down entirely and is innocuous to human beings, microplastic, um, doesn't break down in the human body unless it breaks down into something toxic to the human body um, and to animals. But if it's found that it's actually causing a shortening of life, anybody that says that we should stay with plastic in its current incarnation of plastics is a complete psychopath. Uh, they should not be listened to. Regardless of what it is, I mean... Just imagine somebody saying it, it's okay to eat lead because it it bonds with this or does that. And it, you can eat enough and, and be okay or something stupid like that, right? We know that it did bad things and thus we got rid of it from our environment as much as humanly possible. That could be what this is. Yeah. Well, and this sounds more problematic than some of those things because it's everywhere. The other things were really severe and caused a lot of problems, probably deaths in some instances and illness, etc. But they weren't where everybody was. Whereas I feel like microplastics are affecting probably every animal and every human. Well, let me let me pull you back from that that um statement though because uh we got rid of leaded gas we got rid of leaded paint it was pervasive i think that that's actually part of the i joke you know oh i i blame lead paint and lead gas for the sociopathy that i see rising to the surface of society and it's because during the era that the people that are in control now were raised they were raised in uh, leaded gas and lead paint. So, and it has been shown that lead, uh, lead paint and, and leaded gas, the lead in it, lead in general, leads to sociopathic behavior. And those, that's research papers that are out there as well. I, I'd have to find them to, to pull it up. But you can go to scholar.google.com and do a search for lead and sociopathy and you'll find that there is correlation but when you have 500 papers that correlate it then you can pretty much count on causation you know if you do a search for knives and stab wounds yeah it's correlated but they're also the cause of stab wounds you might want to put all the dots together what <laughs> Now it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, on the lead piece, I was thinking more about like um, localized water contamination or something. I was not even thinking about like leaded gas and lead yeah. paint. I do agree that's totally prevalent. Yeah, there's um, lead across there's the lead board. pipes. 
that there's lead pipes that are coated now with historical debris, right? Historical deposits that prevented it from leaching into the water supply. And then they switched water supplies and it ate away and ended up leaching lead into the uh, water supply again. Um, so uh, society has a, a comeuppance, I think, in the form of microplastics. Um, and uh, we just don't know. We don't know it yet. <laughs> uh, well, I also luck. hope somebody's researching technology to, and I know it's probably impossible to either filter out or break down the existing microplastics because as much as we need to get away from plastic, we need to do something about the plastic that's already out there, microplastic yep. that's out there. Yep. There was a, a plant, there was an incinerator um, that was actually blowing microplastics out into the atmosphere. I need to find that article. Um, I think it's in Gnometown. Um, but uh, it was just a, a one-off where I was like, wait, did I really read that? But I'll, I'll find it and maybe we can do a, maybe tomorrow, because tomorrow is Sunday. It's usually a slow news day. Maybe we can do a a day in the history of hometown kind of a article reach back into history of things that might have been interesting that we can talk about. That actually might be a Sunday fun day kind of thing, you know? Um, and maybe we can do an, a news. Maybe we can start talking about this and, and get this going. I think Sunday might be a great news. Um, like, um, did you know kind of a thing? where people can guess, uh, answer questions and, and it turned it into a game show basically about the news. Kind, like of a, like a, kind of like a news trivia quiz. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see if we can put something together. I don't know with the writer strike. Um, I'm not working. So just kidding. I'm not in the, <laughs> you're not a member of, um, SAG. I forgot that SAG, yeah. Or uh, the other one it? starts with a W, Writers Guild of America, I think. Yeah, WGA, yeah. Um, okay, well, anyway, that's it for today. Um, I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com, and up there is the one, the only, the AI that sometimes does not keep me sane. But that's okay. I was... The signal was stable. It's excellent now. It didn't show as unstable. So, I guess you're doing a great job. Well, thanks. Even though I don't really control that. But I appreciate it. Um, good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. We might be doing something a little different for Sunday. Like Mayor yeah. Watt was saying, you'll just have to tune in and find out. There you go. Hey, that's the secret sauce there. You'll just have to tune in to find out what fun and games are up in the world of hometown. See you tomorrow, folks. Come hang out and chat. Don't lurk either. Like, say hi. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say hi. Start right now. Okay. Bye. I'm going to do that again simply because I can. 
We didn't broadcast. It played the intro. Okay. See you tomorrow, folks. Bye-bye.